Hey, you guys. I am so glad to have our special guest with us, Mr. Joseph Fuller. If you guys have not heard of Joseph, this is going to be a great introduction. Joseph Fuller is described as full of passion and artistry with six albums, over 27 million streams, featured on playlists on Amazon Music, Pandora Radio, Spotify, and his recordings have reached over 110 countries, you guys. He continues to be a widely sought after pianist for concert engagements. His unique style continues to captivate audiences with his technical precision and emotional connection to his music. He holds a master's degree in piano from Baylor University and has worked with some of the world's finest opera houses, children's choruses and universities in the United States. He has performed with conductors from the Metropolitan Opera, Houston Grand Opera, Indianapolis Opera, and former Berkshire Opera, and the world-renowned Indianapolis Children's Choir. Joseph can be heard on Grammy Award-winning records in conjunction with the Grammy Foundation, Grammy in the Schools, has performed on network television several times, performed with the Ford Band Sympathy, um, Symphony, excuse me, um, been the featured artist at the Texas Music Educators Association, American Choral Directors Association, and given solo concerts at Steinway Piano um, Gallery Houston, Steinway Hall Dallas, Steinway Piano Gallery San Antonio and Steinway Piano Gallery Austin. His latest release, Reflections of Tomorrow, features 10 brand new compositions written exclusively by Joseph and produced by Grammy Award winning producer Brad Sales. This new chapter of his recording career branches into fully realized compositions that invoke feelings of joy, love, and loss and take the listener on a journey that tells his deeply personal story. To date, this album has surpassed 1 million streams on digital streaming platforms. From his live concert album, Christmas in the City, to his first album release, Joseph continues to pave his own way as a concert pianist and artist. He maintains an exciting schedule of solo and accompanying engagements and is a recording artist with symphonic distribution a member of ascap and a voting member of the recording academy thank you so much joseph for being here on black canvas thanks for having me it's it's wild when i get to hear my bio i sit back and go oh yeah i did that didn't i <laughs> thank you for reading it Absolutely. I mean, Joseph, you've done my life, a couple of people's lives, and, and it's amazing. I love, I love to hear that. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, it's fun to hear it. You kind of, you live it, but you don't always read it. So I, that's cool. Thank you. Absolutely. So Joseph, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions, and oh it's based on okay. some titles of your song. So you're going to just give me the first response that comes to mind. Okay. All right. So the first one we have is be thou my vision have you ever created a vision board before and if so did something you envisioned for your career come true and if not what do you feel is essential to help create longevity in a music career 
Oh, a vision board. Um, it's something that I have considered doing. Um, I've even, you know, I have a friend who is a therapist. I mean, my own therapist. Is, is hey, Joseph. Yes. Uh, you're kind of fading in the background, if you don't mind kind of talking a little closer for us. Oh. Just a All right, second. go ahead for us. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay. Yes, I have. I, um, I've thought about doing it. I know about them. I've never done it before. My therapist has suggested it, and I've had some friends suggest it. But for me, personally, I think I envision it in my mind. I do write things down. I, my thoughts come to mind, things that I want, my dreams that I, that I would like to, you know, I guess, strive towards. I always have them written down. So I guess it's my own little vision boards, I guess you could say. Um, I think that as far as my career goes, it has taken so many turns and, you know, twists and turns, but, you know, good. But um, I think one of the things that I always wanted for myself was to be able to say that I was able to be a recording artist and it actually, it, it kind of became something and it reached people. And then when I became a member of the Recording Academy, that was another thing that was a, a huge thing for me, one that I had always wanted to, to, you know, kind of have. And so, yeah, I, I believe in vision boards and at least writing down your, your dreams and your goals and working towards them. I think that's awesome. And I, I love vision boards. That's something I always have done um, over mm-hmm. the last 10 years. I've definitely created visions, written names. Um, my ideas, short-term and long-term goals related to the vision, and then just letting it come mm-hmm. to fruition, you know, in its own time frame. So it's been really great, really great. I love it. I, 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 I like I said, I'm a, a very visual person, so I have to see it. I and I write it down. I see it. It helps a lot. So that's awesome. So let's go to our next question. When I knew, go for it. All right. So our, when did you know that you were meant? to share your gift of music with the world and who has been one of your biggest supporters in your endeavors? Ooh, I've actually got asked this question when I did a a magazine interview back this fall. Um, I think the best response I can come up with would be, I would say probably high school. Um, I was kind of always a unique a unique kid. We'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> um, piano was always my primary thing. It's what I did. It's, you know, I started playing the piano when I was five and I was always unique in the sense that I was playing at really early age music and repertoire that was very advanced. And so it just kind of in its own way set me apart, but I don't really think I considered it as a career until I was probably in high school when it came time to look at college. Um, it kind of started getting real when I uh, had to start thinking about where I wanted to go to school and auditioning for actual, you know, music schools. Then I, then it started to get very real then. Um, so I guess high school would be when I started to think that it could become a thing and that I wanted that to be what I wanted to do. Um, of course, like I said earlier, it's kind of you know, twist and turns and it's morphed and evolved over time. But um, I would say high school. Um, as far as supporters, um, let's go with it in a couple of, a couple of phases. Uh, as a kid and through high school and in college, 
obviously my parents were huge supporters. I mean, a five-year-old can't take themselves to piano lessons. And my mother was always making sure that that happens, you know, because it was a thing that I wanted to do. She, they never forced me to do this, but it was something I wanted. And so my parents were great supporters, you know, during those really important formative years. And I think that as it's evolved and my career has grown and has become more commercial, I guess that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, I, I have a very tight support system. I keep my circle very, very close. And, and I think that those people that are in there, that they're critical to, to keeping me, I don't know, um, grounded. They're my sounding board. You know, they're, they're my close friends. Um, and you know, my team, I call them my team for lack of a better word, but, uh, they, you know, I have an amazing PR person that I've worked with for several years and she's also one of my close friends and she's a, she's just incredible to, to have in my, in my back pocket. And then, you know, my best friends, my partner, you know, people that really are just right there. I'd say maybe a handful of people, but they're my biggest supporters. They listen, they, they, uh, hold my head, so to speak, when things get a little wonky and rough and then they are cheering me on when things are obviously going well. So anyway, so those are the people that, that are, I would say have really supported me. Um, trying to think if there's anybody else, you know, it's one of those questions that you really are careful because you don't want to leave somebody out accidentally. Um, I would say also in high school, there was one person that came to mind um, when I was about, oh, I would say 15, I started taking piano lessons with, a great teacher named Carrie Brinkman, and she was the one who prepared me for college. I, would, I wouldn't have known what to have done. So had it not been for her getting me prepared for college and getting me to in the door to, for those auditions, things would look very different. So those are the people. They mean the world to me. Awesome. I really love that. And it kind of goes into my next question, which I think okay. might be a fun one for you. Reflections of tomorrow. <laughs> uh-huh. if you could choose one day from your past to redo which day would that be and what difference do you think you would make if you could redo that day oh you, this is a, that's a tough one um i work really hard to not live with my my mind and my my mental state and health looking backwards i really do i i used to be somebody who spent a lot of time dwelling on um kind of maybe what didn't go right or what didn't go the way that i wanted or decisions that i made that i felt were a mistake so i really kind of don't i try hard not to dwell on those things anymore um and, and i've struggled with with this particular question because you gave me a little bit of a heads up with, with some of these questions. And so I've struggled with this one, trying to figure out what would be a day that I would like to go back and redo. And the best answer I can come up for you is I really have regrets and I have things that I wish I would have done differently, but had they not happened, I wouldn't be who I am now. They've all molded who I am. So I can't, answer it head on and saying, hey, I want to change that moment. But I really try to look at it as a more holistic thing and say, it all happened for a reason for me. And this is where I am because of it. Is that fair? Does that work? Well, we're going to make it work, Joseph, right? <laughs> we're going to make it work. We're going to have to make it work because 
Let me tell you, that, that question really was one that I sat and I, I, I really pondered over going, oh, a day that I, I mean, ah, it's not a matter of regret. I just really don't want to live in that lane anymore. I work really hard to, to be where I am now and, and be thankful for the ups and downs. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And it, for me, if I had to choose a day to redo, it would actually be a positive day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would okay. go into the first day that I actually started fifth grade because I actually went to Lutheran school at that time. And, and okay. it was a difference. I went to an Episcopal school. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So it was a, going from public school to Lutheran and then I went to Catholic school and high school. Mm-hmm. But I just remembered that experience. Um, it was a great decision my mom made of allowing us to, to go to a different type of school and learn differences. And I made friendships mm-hmm. that I will never forget um, at that time. And it had me to step outside my comfort zone. So I think the difference was I would savor the moment a lot more than um, I, when I was going through it, I just didn't think about those moments. And as you get older, you just forget until you actually have time to reflect. But I think the difference would be just savoring right. each friendship and the times that I spent and the, the the opportunity of being a kid and not having to be an adult and responsible, I just wish some days I could go back to that. <laughs> could, we, could we have that back? Yeah. So if we're going to go with that route, and I was thinking more decisions that maybe were in you know the lane of, oh, I wish I would have done this differently. I call it the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But if we're going to go with the positive spin there, yeah, let's go back to childhood when we didn't have all of the other responsibilities. <laughs> I just want to stay there, like for a good, especially just now give me a with minute all there. the stuff going on. Just let me stay there for like a good five minutes. That'd be okay. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. But if we're going to go with those positive, I will, t- I, if you don't mind real quick, I will tell you on that one. A positive moment for me as an adult was my very first trip to Hawaii. And I had gone through some really rough personal stuff. And it was probably about 10 years ago. And I needed to escape. And I needed a place where the noise would stop so I could get myself centered so I could kind of hit things head on. And it was the most healing transformative experience of my life to be alone in Hawaii on an island sitting by the water with just just me nature my thoughts it was to this day it's something that that's that sticks with me so for since you reminded me of the positive side of that let's go with that one because I would definitely like to repeat that day just because of how how healing it was for me and I've been back several times since then but there's something about that particular day that I went I went purposely to get away so I could figure out what I needed to do and heal because of some stuff that had gone on in my life. So it was, that was a day I'd take. Wow. I love that answer. And I think we all wanted to like take one trip to Hawaii for sure. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I, I'm going to be greedy. I'm going to be one of those people. I've been, I don't know, probably five, five or so times and I can never get enough of those islands. They are truly beautiful. Oh, it's an experience. That's how I felt when, when my mom and I went to Belize and have an opportunity Ooh, to be cool. there. I just never forget that experience. There was a couple of reasons. I'll tell you later on another story outside the podcast that was just, I didn't want to embarrass myself on the podcast for that story, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious what happened. But in a moment, I wasn't laughing, but it was an experience for sure. But I loved it. It was really cool. That's cool. I've not been to Belize. You'll have to tell me the story later. <laughs> I will. <laughs> So let's kind of go to our next one, release. When, when okay. was the last time okay. you cried and how does sharing your emotions correlate to writing or recording a song? Oh, 
my emotions. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Mariah Carey's emotions. Um, remember that song? Um, yeah, you got me emotions. <laughs> uh-huh, there you go. Um, I am, I am an emotional person in the sense that I feel everything. And some of my friends even just are like, you're very empathic in a lot of ways because I'm, I'm impacted by the people around me. And I feel the energy of, of different moods and different, you know, whatever's going on in other people's lives around me. So it's both good and bad, but, um, cried, um, you know, I, I can say that probably recently, probably, you know, it's nothing that's a major cry fest, but probably this week I may have, you know, I think I probably did earlier this week, just quick tear, you know, what's going on in our world and with what's going on in Ukraine is, is, is a lot to absorb and we're not living that we're not in that torment like they are. And so that's very, emo- that's very moving for me emotionally. It's, it's hard to see. Um, but as far as how that correlates to my writing, um, it is, it's critical and crucial for me to be transparent and to be authentic and to be open when I'm writing and when I'm performing and when I'm creating. Um, so being emotional, I consider to be a gift. I think that coming from that place when I'm sitting at the piano, um, whether it be tears of joy, tears of sadness, or just overall joy, no tears involved at all. You can hear that in my playing and in my writing. And, and I think it's, it's really important for me to be able to, to be that vulnerable. It's hard to be vulnerable. I don't know about you, but do you like being vulnerable all the time? Well, it's really difficult for me in my profession um, to be vulnerable. Yeah, that's true. So I have to always remind myself to be emotionally intact and being attuned with what's going on in my mind, mm-hmm. my body and spirit before going into a session. But I will say outside of actually, you know, my groups that I do or individuals, I can deal with emotions from a different standpoint. So I'm able to express it, but mine is normally through writing and poetry than it actually is okay. noting it and crying. And I guess growing up, I never was told I couldn't, but you know, going through certain challenges through my childhood, it definitely mm-hmm. made it harder too. So I do cry, but I always say tears can mean different things. It doesn't have to be something outwardly that people can see, but it's more of like how you actually, mm-hmm. you know, deal with innate issues and how you share and you can have an experience with someone where you don't you don't feel victimized, but you feel, you know, heard and seen. So I feel like it depends on the circumstance. I can emote mm-hmm. in a different way, but I do know how to get it out. It's just, it's not in the conventional way that maybe some other people do. Yeah. Listen, we all, we all have our own, you know, our own way and our, our own lane that we need to be in in order to, you know, deal with our, or cope or deal with our emotions. And, and, you know, as long as it's healthy, obviously, and, and it's not harming other people and we're, <laughs> we're dealing with them in a, in a healthy manner, but, as far as being an artist, I, you know, being vulnerable is, is, is something I think is really crucial or critical for me in my writing. I, I really have got to allow myself to go there. And it's very exhausting too, to be that vulnerable when I'm in creative mode and I'm, I'm working, there's a vulnerability there that, that really can be exhausting. And when I'm on stage, when you're having, you know, you're connecting with your audience, that is another level of vulnerability that, whew, <laughs> I love it and I, I crave it and I love every single moment I'm in it. 
but when I am done at the end of an event, I am wiped out, exhausted. So, but it's all a very good exhaustion. I agree. That's kind of like counseling for me. And it's even like the podcast. If sometimes I'll tell you one time I actually did four podcast episodes in one day and that was just to make, make oh it gosh. work for everyone's schedule. And they were like back to back to back to back and I was worn out, but it was a great experience. I could not imagine. That's, that's, ooh, props yeah. to you. Never doing that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, w- I would not. I would advise against that. Never doing that again, but it was a great experience for sure. I, I, I learned a lot about those four individual people in a different way. And it was really, it, it taught me about boundaries for myself, but also about facing myself as well. Oh, I've learned the power of no over the years. Sometimes, you know, when you just said boundaries, that's a big word with me and not everyone knows how to honor <laughs> your boundaries. So uh, yeah, I've learned the power of no. I was like, nope, I'm unavailable. Nope, I can't do that. No, that's not, that's not going to work. It's, it's a liberating word. And no is a complete sentence. So that's great. Too. It is a complete, right? It is a complete sentence. It needs nothing else. Absolutely. All right, so let's go to our next question. The next one we're going to talk about is out of the darkness. So what has been one of your biggest challenges that you've had to overcome? And how did you develop resiliency and make it to the other side of your pain? Okay, so this one, this question, um, go with me here for a bit, because it's going to be a bit of a a journey. Um, In regards to out of the darkness, and this one was written with two, two, two things in mind. One was primarily regarding the pandemic and what we were going through during that time because this entire album was written during the height of that. The other takes me back to um, my 20s when I was in the mid-2000s. If I start telling you too many dates, and you'll know how old I am. But um, I was involved in a... a horrible car accident in 2006 and um it was a head-on collision and it wasn't my fault but fault is irrelevant but what it did to me and my body I had a head trauma and my I had a lot of damage to my spine and um it's amazing you're right side up one at one moment then you're upside down in an intersection the next it's amazing how quick your life can change literally in uh, half a second um it was a moment that I, I some days wish I could forget. I don't remember a lot of things, but I try to continue to use it as a, as a point of look where you've come from and what, what, has, what you've come through. I was pulled away from the piano for almost a year. I was in rehab for almost a year. It was one of the darkest moments, I would say, of my life at that point. I mean, we're looking through the eyes of, you know, of how old I am now, what I've gone through, and then how old I was then. But still to date, to be pulled away from what I love to do, to be in rehab, to go through what that was like, and to um, the emotional pain involved with that was was dark. Oh, it was dark. And by dark, I don't mean dark in the sense of, I didn't think I was going to get through it, but dark because I was I was angry. And I was in so much pain and I couldn't play. Um, so going through all of that and going through that, that, that process, that journey, um, it, it taught me tenacity. 
I wasn't going to, to give up and I wasn't going to let what I had worked for and what I loved so much go away. Because there really was a, a, a gap between my hands and my head, I, I, my brain. There was, there was nothing going on there. I could not literally get anything to, to work. And I remember making a phone call to a professor, a friend, colleague. She, she, was, she used to be my professor in graduate school, but I called her because I knew that she had been involved in a really bad pedestrian accident which uh, many years prior and I just talked to her I cried and I and I was like I don't know what to do and I remembered the phone conversation and I remember her walking me through it talking me through it's baby steps each day is a new day you work you just work each day to get better so I I wrote that out of the darkness with that in mind as well, because there was a point where I didn't think I'd be writing or playing anything ever again. And um, I'm reminded every now and then because I, I still deal with some residual pain from that from that accident and um, physical pain. I wouldn't say emotional pain, but physical pain. But um, I've used it to to just grow from, and I don't use it as a crutch. I use it as a kind of a I like talking about it, quite frankly, because it's one of those things where it goes, this is what I've been through. It's not look at me, but it's like, it just shows, I don't know, the human condition. We're, we're resilient. We, we're inherently resilient. And if we, we can fight through, we can, we can you know, come to the other side. So I don't know. That's, that's where that came from, out of the darkness. Because let me tell you, it was some dark times. Oof. Thank you so much, Joseph, for sharing that. I know that that is something that many of us who've gone through tragedies and experiences, it can be hard to see the other side of the pain, but I'm glad that you were able to kind of find your light and you were able to talk to someone who was able to help comfort you through that moment, which I think leads me into another question, which is lo loving you. Okay. So when was the last okay. time that you said I love you to someone and when was the last time you heard it back and what is your definition of self-love? Um, I would say, uh, earlier today, <laughs> um, I said it and then heard it right back. So, you know, uh, and then my definition of self-love, I am, oh, I really think it comes from a place of, of not a room, you know, this is all about me not a romantic love or or any other type of love other than just me saying honoring my my truth honoring my 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 gut my heart not honoring my boundaries truly i know we go back to that v word we just talked about a minute ago but but really honoring my boundaries because when i stray from those and i allow things to come into my lane that really not supposed to be there it is toxic for me and it doesn't it's not healthy and so i'm not honoring what i need to be doing to take care of myself both physically and you know emotionally so that's that's where i come from a self you know love standpoint of just really honoring the boundaries of what i will allow and what i won't allow into my circle i love that and i i feel like hearing it and sharing it and believing it are, are three different things for some people and and I always say when it comes to love, like you have to be selfless, but also selfish sometimes with it as well. Um, and just being aware. You do because you, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there. Um, you, you, you give, 
I, I, you know, we all have acts, you know, uh, what is it? Acts of service. There's just different love languages for people, you know, but um, it's important to remember that you have to take care of yourself because if you don't, you're really no good to, to your career, to other people. It, it's, and again, for me, boundaries, because I, at one point in my life and career, I would always just say yes, piggybacking on that no word, you know, and it just wasn't working for me. And so I found a, a much better place <laughs> with honoring those boundaries. So I, I do not regret it when I say no. I, I stand firm and make the decision and say this is not what's working for me or or it's just a no because I can't do it. Either one, it's just honoring the boundaries of what I need to do for myself. And I respect that. I think that that's just a mark of a true professional as well because you can sometimes put yourself in a predicament where you can't be as, you know, maybe on point with what you need to be if you're minding your body or in different spaces. So I think that's mm-hmm. a great way of telling someone, I want to be at my best for you, but I also have to be at my best for myself first. Exactly. I never want to phone something in. That's just kind of a phrase that I use sometimes. So anybody who knows me knows what that means. If I ever feel like I'm phoning it in and something's wrong, I shouldn't have to feel like that. Absolutely. So I have one more rapid fire question for you. Okay. Until we meet again, if you had the opportunity to say one statement to someone you lost that has transitioned to the other side, what would you want to tell him or her? And what would you hope they would tell you in response? You really want to take me on a, on a, on a ride with that question, don't you? Uh, well, we kind of talked about. I know. <laughs> I'm putting you on a spot. <laughs> you are a bit. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, I think the only word that I could come up with is thank you. Complete gratitude uh, for the role that that person played in my life and how they continue to play in my life uh, to this day. Um, And I think that I would hope, I would hope not think, I would hope that they would, they would be proud would be happy um, of where I am and what's going on in my life and where I am both, you know, career wise and personally and emotionally. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a question. Cause that one, that one encompasses a lot of emotional strength to, it's kind of quick. Okay, I'm going to answer this question and we're going to get through it. <laughs> so I don't cry, <laughs> but I would say a place of, of gratitude of, of, of what they, meant to me and what they did for me. And then again, them saying how proud they are of, of who I am today. Well, I'm very proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm not that person, but I think you've done oh, well, thank a you. great, exceptional job. Oh, thank you. I, it is the ups and downs and, and it is, uh, um, you know, it's life. It really is. It's life. We all, we all experience it no matter what we do for a living. So it's, we experience all of them. That's right. So if you can choose a career outside of music for the oh. rest of your life that you would actually partake in, <laughs> what would you choose and would you miss playing and singing? Oh, I, a little tidbit about me is I almost actually stopped being, you know, walked away from the music as a, as a career. Um, I became very fatigued and very tired 
And again, that goes back to having not honored boundaries, having not listened to myself. This is a very, you know, much younger me, uh, you know, the, <laughs> an early twenties me versus, oh shoot, I turned 42 in two weeks. So there we go. Now, now I can just air the laundry. I turned 42 in a couple of weeks. So, well, you know, Joseph, 20... I'm not that far behind you, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> okay. I don't feel bad. I'm only, I, I own it. I, I'm going to just own it now. So, um. So, you know, 22 versus 42 is very different. And I really considered going to law school. I, I thought maybe I would, that was a lane that I, I would be better suited in. And I wanted to be able to, you know, I can talk. I really enjoyed the idea of maybe you know, litigating or, or you know, helping people in some other way. So I considered law school. And then I woke up and decided that, it's not honoring who I am and my, my joy and my passion and my love for music and the gift that I had, have been given. It's also about honoring that gift as well. And, and I, I needed to honor that gift and, and I'm glad I did. I do not regret, you know, saying no to law school, but <laughs> I did consider it and yeah, I would have missed it. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine not playing i think uh you know and then when going through that car accident where i didn't get the opportunity to even choose whether or not i was going to play or not that really you know drove home another aspect of honor your gift and and really take very careful care of it it is a special thing that can go away very quickly so to to take great care with that gift so no to law school still yes to my music career <laughs> All right. And I, I don't regret it. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. My mom and I were just having that talk the other day and I was telling her about how I wanted to be a lawyer when I was younger. And I was like, when I realized what I would have had mm -hmm. to do and the experience, I'm like, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much, but I definitely knew that basketball was out the question. I love basketball, <laughs> but I was like, I'm not going to be Michael Jordan. So I ended up switching to business and I, I made the right choice and then switching to counseling. And I feel like all yeah. of that, it, it parlays together really well. But it's also in life, we're going to make changes. And, and it's okay to to say no to something and then to follow your dreams. Because when I turn 60, if I live to that age, I'm going to be touring and doing comedy shows and stuff. I'll be hopefully not counseling anymore at that moment. Uh, and I would have paid my, my time in and, and really helped hopefully navigate people's lives in a different way. But I want to travel and do stand-up. I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it. I, you know, it's living your dreams and, and is, is truly for me, I feel it's, it's a, um, I feel so honored, lucky for lack of a better word. I, I, it's just not everybody gets to do that. And, and I feel super, super lucky that, that this is what I get to do. And, and I really don't take it lightly. I really try to make sure that every day is a day of gratitude for what I get to do because it's a unique skill set. It's a unique gift. And, and it's also one that I have to wake up loving every single day. So, yeah. So turn 60 and let me know where the tickets are for your, for your comedy show, okay? I will. And both of us probably sitting there together using walkers and running around. I was about to say. <laughs> Hey, I better not have a walker at 60. I better be gripping a nice glass of wine and laughing, all right? Oh, oh Lord. Okay. Well, I had to make a joke okay. of that. <laughs> okay. All right. So speaking of age, this kind of goes into my second to last question. If you could give your younger okay. self one piece of advice, 
Mm. What would you say to young Joseph? And I'm going to add a second part to that. You actually have okay. to choose okay. an age. Okay, so choose an age. So I, I, I know I, I can answer your first one, but by choose an age, like choose the age which I would say, like the age that I would say, give this advice to. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. my! the first response would be, be kinder to yourself. Truly being, being a, a musician, being a pianist, honing a skill comes with a lot of, uh, I'm going to go with, I guess, criticism. We'll go with that word. I've got a few other words I'd like to refer to it as, but we'll go with criticism and keep it all nice and, and polite here. Um, a lot of opinions. A lot of people have a lot of things to say about anything and everything that you're doing, especially in your formative years and especially in college. There's a lot of opinions about what you do and what you say. I mean, sorry, and how you play and how you're, you're, you know, you're working. I was not very kind to myself. I, I truly did not know how to be kind to myself. I just knew it had to be perfect. It had to be right. You can only live in that lane so long before you find yourself emotionally wrung out completely. So I would say be kinder to myself and oh, the age that I would say be kinder to myself. Um, You know, so many people would say, go back to your childhood and, you know, this, this and the other. But for me, it was really probably around the age of 18, 19, right through there where I was trying to figure out who I was, what was going on in my life personally, professionally, school, all of those things. I was, you know, again, I had expectations and just to be nice, be kind to yourself, give yourself a much more grace than, than you think you need. Joseph, you hit the nail on the head. I actually did a podcast episode on the epitome of grace, like just being aware of why it's important for us to give ourselves grace. And I think that's amazing that you're able to yeah. do that for sure. I wish, you know, there's goes back to that other question. There we go. See, we can always loop back around to a day that you'd like to go back to if we were going to go back to that question. And it would, those, that era of of just give yourself grace, you know, looking through the eyes of a 42 year old grown man versus a 19, 18, 19 year old, I'd say kid, because you've still got so much to learn. It's, it's, it's a whole different, it's like a whole different lifetime ago, but I try to give myself grace now and extend more grace to myself because I am human, you know, and I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, make mistakes on, on stage when I'm playing, you know, in a concert, when I'm, you know, in front of all these people, it happens. You have to let it go and realize that it doesn't define you. It doesn't define the entire event. It's a mistake and probably nobody even knew to begin with just you. So there's my word, grace. There we go. And that happens on the podcast all the time. I tell people it's not a perfect show. This is just people being real and speaking there from their truth. And it shouldn't. It should never be perfect. That's that's not organic or authentic. I, I appreciate the nature of this a lot. Well, we appreciate you, Joseph. And I have one last question. Can you okay. tell us what's next for you, and how can our listeners find you online? Okay. Oh, what is next? Um, it has been an interesting two years for us all, hasn't it? Um, 
I did my first live concert in North Carolina in December in two years. Can you believe that? Two years. It had been two years since I had stood on a stage wow. and given a solo concert. And uh, I was both nervous and excited. Um, but the pandemic really has changed the tone of my my performing as far as you know live performances and i still think that it's still altering the tone of that and i'm not alone any musician or performing artist who's, who listens to this or who is living this current reality realizes that we are still still tempered in what we are able to do on stage it is coming back but it is slow um so what is next for me is to continue to promote and, and push my new album, Reflections of Tomorrow, that's been out, you know, since this past, uh, this last summer. Um, and um, get back to writing. I've already started writing new music, um, which I'm excited about. I'm excited to um, kind of get back into that creative mode. Um, but uh, what's next is to, again, work on, work on the promotion of this album, new writing, new compositions, new recordings, Kind of let the performing aspect matriculate back in as things continue in the world to kind of open back up. Um, I actually have a concert on Sunday that I'm excited about again. So it's it's happening. It's just, you know, slower than I think that we want. And it's definitely slower than it used to be. But it's okay. It gives us time to, to slow down when we need to. Um, as far as where you can find just about anything you want to know. Uh, do I say Google? kidding um my instagram is super easy it's joseph fuller official my facebook is uh joseph.fuller.music and then my website is josephfuller.com everything is there you can always kind of see what's going on i just post all kinds of random stuff you kind of never know what's what's going on from day to day so i kind of keep it fun that's cool and joseph we're so glad thank you so much for First of all, being on the show and talking, being as authentic and honest and loving and caring as you've been with me. And I think our listeners can definitely feel that. I hope that they can feel that because I can tell that uh, so. you have a great heart and you have a passion for what you do. And we're so grateful that you were on the show. Well, thank you for having me and reaching out and making this happen. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be able to talk and, and share my stories with you. So thank you for this. Absolutely. And we're going to have you back on Space Between soon if you would like to perform. We would like to hear some of your music for sure. Absolutely. Would love that. Cool. Well, let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Thank you, Joseph, again for being on Black Canvas. And I can't wait to have you back soon. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh,